What's up, Digital Job Listeners? Mark Bird, the podcasting and virtual summit launch coach here, helping people to grow, launch, and monetize their podcasts. And when it comes to getting clients and growing your business, a lot of people look for the low-hanging fruit, the opportunity that is more likely, and the thing with that is it's going to pay you less. Uh, so a lot of people look that way, but we have a guest who he goes for the big fish and he's performed for celebrities and you'll hear more about that pretty soon. But uh, instead of just thinking low hanging fruit, think big fish. And our guest, uh, he is an internationally renowned award winning magician whose magic has taken him all over the world. He's based in the San Francisco Bay Area and is regarded as one of the nation's top corporate magicians. And he performs at events for thought leaders and influencers all over the world. Our guest who joins us for this episode of Ditch the Job is none other than Dan Chan. Dan, welcome to the show. Thank you, Mark. Thanks for having me. Dan, it is such a pleasure to have you on Ditch the Job. And I feel like there are so many people who they just go for that low-hanging fruit. They go for the easy opportunity and they sacrifice that big opportunity that, you know, uh, has this perception of being harder to achieve, but also much more rewarding. So I'm wondering if you could share with us uh, why you decided to focus more on the big fish, like the, uh, the celebrities, the uh, leading influencers, rather than just uh, some of the uh, low-hanging fruit in your industry. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think Steve Jobs has a great quote. Um, I'm trying to actually um, remember that quote, but he talks about that. Um, if it's the last day of your life and live, it, live each day as, as if it was the last day in your life. So um, I, you, you do have to start somewhere, but then from that point on, you have to leverage up or level up your game. So um, I first started off doing corporate events for take your kids to work days so that I could get these name brand clients like Google, Intel, Oracle, uh, IBM, Yahoo. Uh, all those companies have hired me for all their most important events. But the first thing was getting my foot in the door and then pivoting and making intentional pivots. And I mean, I'd like to learn a little bit more about how you leverage that and how you're able to grow because some people it's like, uh, they just get super lucky and they land one or they put in the work and they land, but they don't know what to do with it. So you hear about, you know, someone speaking for this major corporation, but then it's just like this person only spoke it for one major corporation. Why aren't they like all these other corporations also? Yes. Um, you can get lucky or you can be very strategic about what you're doing. So my strategy is very unique in my industry. It might not be applicable, uh, right off the bat, but I will tell you some of my secrets. I first started off as a magician who did magic juggling and balloon twisting, and I did fire juggling and even pickpocketing. I would juggle three flaming torches. So product differentiation and service differentiation is one of the first things you can do. But then I started realizing people hire me not just for um, magic or the experience of being a one ring uh, one man circus rode into one man. That's what um, a very famous um, uh, mentor described me as. And he 
really helped me think about it. But then I started with studying other people who were just as successful as myself without doing all that hard work. And they had soft skills. So I looked at myself and I said, what are they doing in terms of dress? How are they carrying themselves? And those soft skills helped me transition from being a jack of all trades to being a master magician. So I started off as Dan Chan, magic man, or Dan Chan, the magic man. Then I transitioned to Dan Chan, master magician, probably after four or 5,000 shows. And then most recently I've done a, rebranded again as Dan Chan Billionaire's Magician. And I have performed for CEOs of Yahoo and Google, uh, founders of Android, uh, the founder of Siri. So there's a lot of guys who are in the $100 million marks that I've performed for in the Bay Area and quite a few at dollar mark. But I it was very intentional about what I wanted to do and how I wanted to get there. So I started reverse engineering everything going backwards. So my next goal that I'm going to talk about is how what I'm going to do next as the billionaire's magician because most people when you're the billionaire's magician you end up scaring a lot of the normal people off. Like for example the uh, one of the Twitter founders he hired me but he can probably pay me multiples of what normal people are paying me. So what I've used is the people who wanted to hire me, I get them to come to my live dinner shows in San Francisco at Bay Area Dinner Show or BayAreaDinnerShow.com. Uh, that's also my um, Dan Chan Magic is my Instagram tag and you can kind of see what I'm doing. But branding yourself and speaking about it uh, in the positive really helps you move forward. Uh, I had the intentional goal of performing for every single company that you've seen. So I've performed for Draymond Green's Kids First Birthday Party. I've performed for the 49ers, SF Giants, Salesforce. But you can note my um, on my Facebook fan page, you can see that it has the most up-to-date client list and it's from A to Z. And I systematically used both advertising in order to transition me with Google uh, AdWords and also Facebook ads to specifically target. In the beginning of Facebook ads, you can actually target people who work at Google. You can target people who work at specific companies. You can also target people by income. And that's one of the strategies I used in the very beginning, along with a very strong SEO strategy. Now that I'm very well known and I want to be known only in certain circles, I've kind of ditched the SEO. You don't really need it. I don't even business card. And when I do have a business card, I don't even have my phone number on it because it wants, I want to be more exclusive to perform for the people who are in the know. Mm -hmm. If they do the digging up and they're looking for my phone number, they're probably uh, gonna hire me. Uh, for example, I just booked a gig for NASA uh, coming up. So uh, this is my second year working for NASA. Wow. I mean, those are really big names and uh, it is interesting how, I mean, once you get on some of these places, you know, it's more likely they're all going to take you in uh, because they see like the proven concept idea. And it's interesting how you start with Facebook ads and Google ads to uh, truly hone in and get those initial people. And I'm wondering, like, I know you mentioned you targeted by where they worked at income. I know the ads are a little bit different now, 
And I would say like, like what were some of the things you did in the early stages in addition to the Facebook and Google and the SEO that you believe had a big impact uh, for you getting to where you are now? Zip code targeting, working twice as hard as everyone else, um, putting myself on platforms like Living Social, Groupon, uh, Google Offers, AAA member deals, um, insane amount of um, companies that are even gone. I was on those platforms. I was on Google Offers, which is no longer there. Um, Living Social merged with Groupon. So it's a minimum viable concept and becoming ramen profitable. I, I never took on any debt. Um, in order to scale, although I am looking for investors. So I'm proving out a concept, but I'm also thinking about scale. One of the re things that I realized that I didn't do was I realized that magicians like Chris Angel or David Blaine were charging a hundred or what than what I was charging. And I realized that I was not a celebrity. The same people who hired David Blaine hired me for their parties, except they would hire me for their kids' parties. So I was like, you know, at $1,000 for an event for these guys, and they would be paying guys, a, you know, 100 or 1,000 times the amount that I was charging, believe it or not. And these guys are like the VC companies that funded Google, the people that have funded Twitter and Airbnb and these crazy companies, and they were the guys behind the scenes. Investors that you would not recognize publicly if I were to give you a name, but when you look up their net worth, you're like, oh my gosh, 400 million, <laughs> 4 billion, uh, several hundred million. These, are, these were the guys I was performing for regularly. And that required me to do a lot less and really give them a differentiated product, which started involving iPhone tricks. And at first I thought it was kind of gimmicky. I was doing iPhone tricks and things with uh, my cell phone. Then I started thinking about using the spectator's cell phone. And once I started doing things like that, I went to Germany, Shanghai, Las Vegas, Japan four times. In fact, uh, last year I was in Squaw Valley uh, doing New Year's Eve. This year uh, around New Year's Eve, I will be in Monterey, California, Pebble Beach. I'll, the day before, one or two days before that, I will be in Jackson Hole, Wyoming, um, doing a very high profile event for um, a, a very big industry leader. And quite often these events have uh, non-disclosure agreements. So I can't even discuss who I'm performing for. I mean, it is like one of the things you said right away, work twi twice as hard as anyone else. Like based on like all the success you've had and like, it's one thing to say, like, you know, I've spoken, I've uh, spoken or I've done shows for all these different people, but I mean, just hearing pieces of your schedule, like all the travel, I mean, it's pretty evident you work a lot harder than most people. I'm wondering if you could share with us how you got to the point of working twice as hard as everyone else. It's not necessarily something you quantify, but how did you develop your work ethic into what it is now? I just started reading case studies of them people that I talk about, people I've performed for. Um, and I just kept on reading about what their vision was and then starting to go into their company culture. When I started performing for them, I started asking, oh, do you know, is it true this person does this? And they're like, well, yeah, they, they're, they're in the office all the time or they tell me the work ethic. So just getting a little bit closer to the action makes, it, makes you realize that you can get closer to it. Like performing for SoftBank, NVIDIA, um, 
you know, Google 25 plus times. And, but I start asking questions and I don't, I don't consider myself a magician. I consider myself also a business consultant because I start finding out more about the company and knowing more than the people who hire me or people internally. Because I have an outsider's view, but I study the company on TechCrunch and I know a lot about their funding, funding rounds. So I'll integrate things like go ahead and sign your card, like you're signing the term sheet. You know, and I, I, I heckle them, I play with them, I make it a lot of fun. But once you can get people to laugh and relax, they'll open up to you. And quite often, the stuff that you learn is you have an overview. They're very myopic in what's happening, whether it's at Yelp or any of these other companies. But I started understanding more about them when I started investing in these companies. I don't do a lot of investing, but I buy and share of every co corporation that hires me. So Google's hired me, Yahoo's hired me, pretty much Merrill Lynch, Bank of America, Charles Schwab, these guys all have hired me and most of these guys are all public. So I read their profit and loss statements, I look at their PE ratios, I look at their cash flow statements and I understand their business. So if their stock price goes up significantly like it did at one time for Square, which went up 299% when I owned it, uh, and I owned like 140 shares of it, um, I, I would know what, what was happening. And when the stock price went up significantly, I would call my contacts at these companies and kind of like ping them and build that relationship with them. Because if they're going to be around for a while, you want to develop those relationships with them and spend a little bit more time on the uh, companies that are really growing. At one time, it was Men's Warehouse. They acquired Joseph A. Banks. But if I didn't follow that, I wouldn't know. And I wouldn't know to follow that unless I owned a little bit of skin in the game. My goal next is to ask people for shares in their company because I'm going to start to price myself out of it. But I have walkaway power because I've already done all of that. And I, I kind of don't care to do it. So it makes me more in demand when they can sense the confidence in you and they know you're not BSing them. Like when I say I've performed for these guys, it's the truth. But if you say like, Oh, I, I see guys who, who are coming up and they, they do this BS game where they say, Oh, I performed for McDonald's when they performed for a birthday party at McDonald's, not hired by McDonald's mm. or McDonald's corporate. And they, try to fake it until they make it. And I come across with authenticity because I got rid of that game. I stopped playing that BS game because once I realized that people resonated with your voice and the only way your voice can be true is if you were being truly authentic to your clients. So I found different ways to leverage and systematically target these bigger fish. So for me, one of the ways, and this is very, very valuable, is the ways you can leverage. For example, I didn't want to turn down lower hanging fruit and then shoot myself in the foot by committing to a gig and then finding out a billionaire was going to hire me. So I'm going to pause for a second and think about that. I've been to these events and I drive up and they have two Hummers, one of each color. And because the wife could not decide 
whether they wanted it in yellow or red. And, th and that's happened before. And then I've been to other events where they tell me they're on a budget and then they have like a Ferrari or a McLaren or um, some crazy thing out in front. And I've been to the parties where they, um, <laughs> they tell me the party is in Mountain View. And then the day before the party, they tell me it's in this mansion in Los Altos Hills worth $45 million. And they're, they're nickel and diming me on $200. So I said to myself, what, do, what can I do? And one of the uh, clauses I wrote in, in uh, some of my um, uh, contracts was, if they can't pay me my full rate, if someone pays me my regular rate, I will find them someone just as good and sometimes I'll even pay the difference. So you see how that allows me to not starve yet free up my schedule so I can work with authenticity when I tell them, Hey, you know, you're going to get a great deal if I do that at X, but if someone pays me 10 X, I can get out of that. You know, so that, that type of thinking has helped propel my career. And I also help, other people figure out what they can do to leverage their unique situation. And I only work with coaching clients where I feel that they can either be bought out by a company like Google or Facebook or an Airbnb, because some of the companies that I started working for, they started saying, wow, Dan, you have insights and wisdom that we, you're, you're revealing to us some things that are really insightful. And once you do that and you prove yourself, I can ask for shares. I've been offered shares in companies just to consult with them. That makes me from like a, you know, a performer, like another magician versus a magician who is kind of like a strategist for that company. And I do this mainly for small, smaller corporations. Uh, one or two companies that have hired me have tipped me $1,000. They sent me a check in the mail after I'm done saying, hey, we hired you for entertainment. Um, and you can look at this on my Facebook fan page. If you search Dan Chan Billionaire's Magician, I posted a review, a review from a client who tipped me $1,000 because I said to them, I'll work with you on your budget, but this is what I'm going to do for you. I'm going to move around the trade show floor and I'm going to get your competitors to say your company name. In fact, I got the trade show organizer to say the company name of a company that bought a very small booth footprint. And they, if you understand what they're spending for a trade show booth, you're realizing they're spending $3 for just a very small footprint at places like Moscone Center. And once you start understanding that, you can start charging a lot. And that's why when I start working with magicians, uh, when I'm building my team, I give them a perspective that they don't understand. and I accelerate their learning curve. Uh, I teach them things that they would not have otherwise known. And once they start doing that, you start building a team. And that's one of the big things is to build a team in your, build a team, but also teach your team, treat them, uh, teach them so much that they can leave and treat them so well that they don't want to leave. Yeah, I love that. And uh, for people who are thinking about ditching their job, I mean, find that big fish, think a little bigger as to who you're reaching out to differentiating yourself will allow you to reach those bigger fish and you will eventually need a team as you scale. I mean, I know Dan is, uh, 
Uh, he's starting up his team and, uh, you eventually need that because you can only do so much on your own. Like if you're speaking or if you're uh, doing shows, you're going to do so many gigs. Uh, in my case, I can only do so many interviews. There comes a point where there's just a cap and how many interviews I could do in a given day. Now I'm doing different things to like, you know, like when I graduate, I'm trying to interview a hundred people a month in some months. But uh, again, like there's only so much you can do. So that uh, delegation and having a team that Dan mentions is really useful. Yeah. And then strategically linking up with people on LinkedIn is very important. Like I started my consulting business for free. I started helping people and I still do occasionally because I just do it on a handshake. And I say, if, if I help you, I help this guy named Steve Gatina. I think he owns pray.com or prayer.com. I think it's pray.com. I gave him the idea for kind of the genesis very, um, he was struggling with his business in the beginning and I gave him some key ideas. And on that night he was so inspired. I met him back at a party many years later and he walked up to me and he said, I can't believe it's you. Some of the ideas you gave me were the best ideas wow. that started my, uh, start, helped me out of my rut. He was deciding whether he wanted to sell his domain or what he was going to do. And he, would, he had a lot of things. And I told him, I reframed it for him. And he, he gives me credit for helping him. And he wrote me a LinkedIn recommendation um, for me helping him as a free consultant. But he's now networked and he has raised seed rounds and he's raised a lot of money for his company. So I ask people, make yourself Oh, I, I tell people, make yourself invaluable. Once you're invaluable, you can charge the limit. But you first have to ask, are you passionate enough to use your sick days and your days off to start a business? Because that's what I did when I left PayPal. I was a pre-IPO PayPal employee. I gave up about three-fourths of my stock options. I vested 13 months. I was prepared to earn half as much and work twice as hard in the beginning in order to launch it because you kind of need an escape velocity. You kind of need to make sure that airplane takes off. The analogy of taking off because a lot of times people don't give themselves enough of a runway. So it's figuring out how do you do that. And for me, you have to be strategic. You have to either know something that other people don't know or work harder than them. And I was, I didn't know a lot. I had to be the magician balloon twister and I worked my way up. I had a variety of jobs so that I could understand customer service. I worked as a ski instructor. I worked as a sailing instructor. I looked up to guys like Richard Branson and I would read their bios and I would really study all different segments of business because if you want to be in business, you need to understand business case studies. If you don't know what profit and loss is, you, you, you cannot be a, an entrepreneur unless you know cash flow, profit and loss, and all the financial statements. And that's what I'm training myself in to be a lot more disciplined in a lot of these ways. And I mean, I really do appreciate you sharing that whole backstory because. I mean, some people, I mean, Dan, like you see, he's a grinder. He's uh, working on sick days and off days. And uh, to be able to put that kind of grind in, you're going to see the results coming your way as Dan has with 
uh, all the wonderful stuff he's doing and being able to perform and also have the business side for all these awesome people. And uh, one thing I also recommend you guys do is just continue to check out Dan's work. I know you guys can find him at danchanmagic.com. Are there any other good places we could follow your work and uh, keep up with your journey? Yeah, um, BayAreaDinnerShow.com and on Instagram, DanChanMagic.com. My wife is a world-class balloon artist. She's at Cat's Clever Creations, K-A-T, then Clever Creations spelled normally. Uh, she is a world-class balloon artist. Uh, if you are looking to leverage what you do, uh, feel free to reach out to me because I do do negotiation on behalf of individuals, whether it's getting to that next level. I do... I'm very, very limited in the type of clients I take on. You've got to have the next big idea, but if you have the next big idea and you want to sell to like a Google or Facebook or a company where you feel that they're a $10 million idea, I might be able to make an introduction. I have met many founders, many VC people. I love helping people make connections. Um, so uh, one thing that I've done for uh, as a case study is getting you know, teaching people how to negotiate. For example, when I had a client, I realized that I was making X, but when I sent them to another magician, they'd only get 0.5 X of what I was making. And I realized that their scripts are off. They don't know the words to say in order to get what I'm getting. So I helped people with their marketing and their scripting so that they could make as much as me. And I, once I started not feeling threatened by the fact that they were making as much as me or even more, my career started to take off. So a lot of times I make other people more money than I make, but then they send me a percentage. And once that, once I realized that I started sending a guy a trade show and I assume he booked it for 10 grand. At that time I was making a thousand or 1500 a day for a trade show. And it, to me, it was just revolutionary. This guy, I sat at home, I was already booked. So I was like, let me send it to this guy who's way better than me. I used to be threatened by these guys. But I just said, let me just send it to him. And he actually sent me back a check for a thousand bucks. So I was like, wow, if I could just do that all the time. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, and that... That's the thing is if you look at everyone as competition, you're not going to be able to work with the people who are better than you. And that was one of the biggest turning points for me is not looking at them as a threat. That's definitely a good takeaway for this episode. All those links will be in the show notes. Once again, Dan, thank you so much for joining us on Ditch the Job. It was such a pleasure having you on the show. Hey, thank you very much, Mark.